0: Welcome to the Taylor and Jen Podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. I don't just okay. run around chucking bouquets at single ladies. <laughs> you only do that at your wedding. Life Are you ready for this? I'm going to change your life. Oh boy. With science. Science!
1: Science in so long. I know, and this
0: is science. Where's science been? Science is talking to us about food today. Well, I love food. Science is telling us the absolute best way to enjoy your food.
1: Okay. All right. Here we go. I want to maximize the food eating experience. And Let's I think talk.
0: The first part of this study that comes out of Oxford University. So it's very fancy.
1: Oxford. So we should be speaking with the British accent.
0: No, because then I'll sound silly. I'm oh, not good at accents. Okay, all
1: right. Okay.
0: <laughs> the, the first part that's not surprising about this is that eating food is better the more you get your other senses involved. Like you smell the fajitas coming. You hear the fajitas coming. You, you feel the see, warmth of them. You see them. Like, it's all very important. All of the senses. So what they say is, first of all, you need to get your sense of touch involved. So instead of using silverware, you need to eat your food with your hands. Huh? All of it? Eat your food with your hands, Jen. This is science. It's no. not me.
1: Okay. You're talking like spaghetti? Sure.
0: Like Spaghetti? Ice cream? Clam chowder? Clam. <laughs> supposed to do that well you can't properly appreciate the grittiness of the clams and the creaminess of the chowder if you're not using your hands listen i'm just reporting on science here jen an
1: oxford scientist said
0: this they said you need to eat your food with your hands (laughs) here's the other thing oh no in order to best make sure that your nose captures all of the aromas you need to eat all your food with your mouth open yeah, you're fired and so is so he. So just keep your mouth open the <laughs> whole no! time. Don't close your lips. Do you know how many years it took me to get my kids to eat with their mouth closed? And this whole time you were keeping them from enjoying their food, Jen. Think about how much more they would have liked some of the foods that they dislike just because you were obsessed with manners. <laughs>
1: <laughs> your food will taste better, says a British scientist from Oxford. if you. Put down the fork and the spoon and the knife and eat with your fingers. And then he adds, also, you should chew with your mouth open.
0: I am so fascinated by this piece of science! Science! I mean, seriously, the food science is, is I mean, goes against everything I was ever taught growing up, right? Well,
1: I mean, I don't care how much you're experiencing your food. I don't want to. I mean, they <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't want to see what you're eating. But they're talking about how important our sense of touch is is vital. It's vital in our perception of food on the palate. The researcher says, Feeling the smooth, organic texture of the skin of an apple in our hand before biting into it is likely to contribute to a heightened appreciation of the juicy, sweet crunch of the first bite.
1: Okay, that's an apple. Okay, not a problem. What are we talking about here? A bowl of spaghetti? Not
0: just apples. They say it can be extended to the feeling of grains of salt sticking to your fingers when eating french fries with your hands.
1: Again, french fries. Okay.
0: Or the sugary residue of buttercream on a hand after picking up and biting into a slice of birthday cake. all right. Someone yep. someone's eating birthday cake with their hands. You don't? You you just like grab a slice of cake and eat it
1: like an apple? I can. Sure. I, I I'm not against it. I have. I've done it many times.
0: In I, like polite I... company? You just like reach in there and just like grab a handful of cake?
1: Okay, first of all, let's talk about Jen's relationship with cake. I, I mean think I get you it. know.
0: We we all love
1: cake, no, Jen. No, you don't love as you don't love cake as much as I love Clearly. cake. Clearly. I dream about cake. Uh-huh. Okay, so I love cake. But yes, I eat cake with my hands, with my fingers. Yes. I pick it up and I eat it with my hands and my mouth. Yes. You've never eaten
0: cake with your hands? I mean, not in my proudest moments. <laughs> not before two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm having a little bit of trouble with this. (laughs) Picturing Jen eating cake with her bare hands. You don't
1: have to picture it in your head. I'm sure you've seen it. I don't know if I have. Okay, I may eat cake with a fork, but I am not opposed to eating cake with my fingers. I think it's perfectly acceptable finger food, and and I've always been, you know, fueled by my intense love and hunger for cake.
0: What do you think about that, Melinda? I
1: have. I'm with Jen when it comes to the cake. Of course you are. It can totally be eaten with the hands. Yeah. If you've got a sheet cake and you cut it into a little square. Some of those layered cakes are so dense. Yeah. The density allows you to pick
2: it up. (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) and I
1: don't look askance. I don't look down on anybody that eats cake with their fingers. Do you? So like
0: you're you're at a party, you've got your cake Uh on a small plate and you're just like, Picking it up and yeah. biting it at a yeah. at a party,
1: yeah, just like a slice of I pizza. I event where they ran out of plates
2: and they ran out of forks, so <laughs> you gotta use your hands.
0: I mean, in that case, it is a cake emergency. I'll I'll forgive that one. You gotta get the cake, however you can. Taylor, Jen, it's just science. I I know. And that's where I'm conflicted because this science is kind of gross to me.
1: It says that to enhance your food eating experience, you should not only chew with your mouth open, but you should always use your fingers. And
0: I'm fine with that, except they say it also extends to cake. I don't think cake is finger food.
1: Well, Sherry's got a viewpoint on this.
2: I am willing to bet one of. Or both of you, when you got married, fed each other cake with your hand? And I can't remember that far back.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think.
2: <laughs> you know, a lot of people do. They cut a piece of wedding cake and the husband feeds the wife yeah. a piece with their hand. They don't mm-hmm. get plates and forks. Yeah, and... they don't. They yeah. don't, Taylor. Just, but they that's, don't.
0: That's a wedding tradition, okay? Like, I don't just okay. run around chucking bouquets at single ladies. <laughs> you only do that at your wedding. Really? <laughs> Well? If you catch this, you get to be married like me. (laughs) Can you believe that's where his brain went? I'm just saying. Do you understand? (laughs) The context matters.
2: This is Peggy, and I have to tell you, you two are incorrigible. Because of you, I went out and bought cake and ate it with my fingers. You just Just did it? Just now? Just now. I just came back. I went to the Hy-Vee at Valley West. I'd seen some champagne cake last week. And today I decided to buy it. (laughs) And I I bought and I ate two pieces with my fingers.
1: And wasn't it so much better than if you would have eaten it with a fork, Peggy?
2: Personally, I don't mind if I'm alone. I was in my car when I ate the first piece. I was standing at the kitchen sink when I ate the second piece. If my son had seen me, I'd have been mortified. But. I just had to try it. It's <laughs> and Taylor, it's so you're good. right. In, in mixed company, you should use a fork. <laughs> Thank you. But Jen, you're right. It does taste great when you just gobble it down.
1: <laughs> you know it happens. You have your vehicle in the shop for something, and then you go and you pick it up and you're driving it around, and then another thing happens to the
0: car. Another, and you're like, oh, I just got it fixed.
1: Exactly. Another sound, another problem. And you're like, I just had it in the shop. I don't want to take it back. That's what happened to me about two weeks ago. I had my car in the shop for, you know, just routine oil change Mm -hmm. check the levels check the wipers rotate the tires that kind of stuff and about a day later as i am driving in the extreme heat that was a couple of weeks ago Mm -hmm. my air conditioning stopped working i mean it was blowing air but it wasn't getting very cold and i thought wow i just had it there i should have asked them to check the whatever the liquid is that makes air conditioners
0: cold cold juice
1: (laughs) yeah i should have them to check the cold juice but i didn't i thought well you know at some point my life is going to calm down i'll take it back in mm-hmm. and we'll deal with it so i drove around for a week and a half with you know not very cold air blowing in my car and it was
0: hot out. that's the worst timing for that to happen i
1: know and i and i just kept thinking to myself i'll get it in there i will i will get it in there so about <laughs> three days ago i'm thinking to myself okay I think today is the day that I'm going to take it in. And uh, so I'm driving, and I'm looking down at the controls, and I went, oh. And I depressed a button. Mm. And all of a sudden, cold air started coming out of my air conditioning.
0: Whoa. Did you not have the cold air on in your car? I
1: had the air conditioning on, but I had it pulling from the outside air. Oh, I did Jen. not have it from the inside <laughs> air. So all it took was the press of a button. And guess what? My air conditioning is fixed. It might be a little bit embarrassing, but it makes for a great story. We want to <laughs> hear about your big problem that
0: wasn't. And Tyler's also has to do with cars. I
2: could not figure out my windshield wiper fluid. Mm. And so I thought, oh, the reservoir is empty and
0: I have to replace it. It wasn't getting any fluid out. In order to do so, you have to take the entire front bumper off of the car. Oh. So about 10
2: YouTube videos later, I got the bumper off. I got a new reservoir put in. Still wasn't working. No. Uh, the motor's bad. Reluctantly, I asked my wife, she gets in and pulls the lever towards you instead of pushes it up. And it works just fine.
0: <laughs> Apparently, you need to look at the arrows. On the, on the- I'm curious. How often do you tell this story versus your wife tell this story? Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah, way more on her end. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Sometimes we have problems that aren't really problems, but then they turn into bigger problems because they weren't problems.
2: I found out by experience that if you push the right hand upper button on your iPhone, Five times, it calls 911 for you and sends out an emergency SOS to your emergency contacts. (laughs) I didn't even know I'd done it, and I hear 911 (laughs) saying, What is your emergency? And I'm like, Why is my phone talking to me? So I pick it up and I'm kind of like, Hello? And they're like, Yes, 911, what's your emergency? (laughs) I was like, um, no, I didn't mean to dial you. I was so embarrassed. And then my emergency contacts show up at my door knocking like, are you okay? And I was like, that's what you get when you give technology to old people.
1: Ah! (laughs) Was it running up against something in your purse or how did you do that?
2: So I was trying to turn it off because I'd accidentally pushed a button and it was dialing somebody I didn't want it to. So I was like, how do I turn this off? So I was like pressing buttons and stuff to try and turn it off. You know, and all of a sudden it's calling nine one one and I'm like, Oh my goodness. So I figure out how to shut it off and then I'm Googling, Why is my phone calling nine
0: I don't know if you've ever felt kinda of stuck in your faith. Like you just, you, you should be moving forward. You should be doing something. And you feel like you're just kind of spinning your wheels. Nothing's really connecting like it should. Yes. Yeah. I have
1: felt that. Okay.
0: I'm not the only unspiritual no. one here. <laughs> Stop. I, I, I came across this passage in first Corinthians and some of it is stuff that I feel like has just been in me for a while being a part of church. It's where where Paul's talking to this church and he's basically telling them you're, you're still spiritual babies. Yeah. He he says, "Look, when I first came to you, you were brand new to the faith, so I gave you milk," referring to just kind of basic teachings about mm-hmm. Jesus. And he says, "But since you're grown-ups now spiritually, you should be able to have like solid food. Right. You need to be able to have some meat and potatoes, but I still have to give you milk." Interesting. And so growing up, I was like, "Yeah, I need to grow up so I can have spiritual meat and potatoes." But I never noticed what comes right after that verse where Paul explains why he knows that they're not ready to take their faith to the next level.
1: Oh, there was something that indicated that to him?
0: Yeah, he he had like a telling sign. So 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3, he says, you are still worldly. Okay, don't be worldly. (laughs) He says, since there is still jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worthy? Are you not acting like mere humans? Oh, so like the, it was the way they were treating each other. The big sign to Paul that these guys weren't ready to take a step forward is they couldn't get along. There wasn't unity in the church and they were spinning their <sighs> spiritual wheels because of that. Oh, wow. So. So I, one of the
1: indicators of spiritual maturity that you can have meat and potatoes rather than just milk is getting along with one another.
0: Yeah, so obviously it's not the only reason that maybe you're having trouble connecting with God, but if you're in that space, maybe a question to ask yourself is, is there someone who I need to build a bridge to where maybe it's been burned for a little while? So what does unity actually look like? I mean, that, that that's a word that's been thrown around a lot. I feel like the last couple of years, because well, we know we haven't seen it.
1: Right. Doesn't it mean everybody getting along all the time, holding hands, singing songs, and that kind of thing? Well... <laughs> like an after-school special?
0: I'm kind of switching up how I read the Bible lately, and I want to read like one chapter of the Bible every day for a week before moving on to the next one. Wow. And so this week has been 1 Corinthians 3 week, and it's been a lot.
1: And so you read it every single day of the week?
0: and I, and I try to read it every single day, maybe like five out of seven days. Okay,
1: but... Different things jump out at you every day, I'm assuming. Yeah,
0: And so chapter three is a lot about why this church is spiritually stalling. There's not a whole lot of unity going on there. And Paul goes on to explain. He says, here's where your unity is falling apart. He says, one of you says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. He says, when you're doing that, aren't you just being humans? Like, you're just finding human idols, human people to hitch your wagon to.
1: Man, that sounds familiar. Instead of following God, I follow. A personality.
0: I've got my favorite Christian authors and be like, well, well, that's not how he says the end of the world is right. going to go.
1: Or my favorite Christian pastors and mm-hmm. theologians or I'm a so-and-so person or a so-and-so person. I've to- Following personalities, the bigger, the better. I totally do that.
0: And Paul creates this beautiful analogy of people working together on a house. Paul says, listen, I just laid the foundation for you. Someone else is going to put up the walls. Someone else is going to do the roof. Someone else is going to make all the rooms. All that house belongs to God and it is for God and it's on each person to build with the right materials. Like he talks about the fire coming to to make sure that everything's good there and stuff that's going to get burned away is going to get burned away and the pure stuff is going to remain. And so I think there's this beautiful thing where we recognize we're going to follow a bunch of different teachers. God's going to make sure that the good stuff from them sticks. But the point is not to be like, you know, my foundation guy is the best. The point is to be like, this house is for Jesus and we're all building it for Jesus.
1: I think secretly, most parents want to be the cool parent. The ones that your kids even behind your back are like, oh, yeah, my mom is so cool. It's hard to do that, though. I had a moment of success. Really? As I was ending my run in Shakespeare on the lawn at Salisbury House. I got to play in a Shakespeare play. Had a lot of fun.
0: Which from what I've heard, she was amazing.
1: Well, thank you very much. So my kids came and saw it and my kids really enjoyed it. And I think one of the reasons why they enjoyed it was because I was like a super villain.
0: Nice. <laughs> I was a
1: really bad character doing lots of mean things. It was kind of like alter ego mom. They got to
0: see Mom Unleashed. And they
1: got to see. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, afterwards, we were all in my living room chatting and, and talking about it. And my daughter was like, Mom, that was so cool. I want to show you something. And she turned her phone around, and there was me in character a little piece of Shakespeare on the lawn King Lear in her Snapchat I was her Snapchat story you were your daughter's Snapchat story I was my daughter's Snapchat story and as I sat there in the living room I put my arms up and I realized I am
0: a cool mom you made it I think you've reached the pinnacle of cool like that's you will never be as cool as you were in that moment I
1: know it's all downhill from there (laughs) Somehow, some way, you made it into your kids' social media and we want to hear about it.
2: Our family was on vacation in Florida and we were staying in a condo and we had a kitchen and we burnt the biscuits <laughs> and the fire alarm went off and we actually rented it from our boss. Oh no. <laughs> so my son, which we're trying to get the alarm off. Has us on Snapchat. Oh, you know, like the rents, the rents burnt the biscuits. The, the rents. rents burnt the biscuits. And I didn't know about it. I didn't know that was on Snap. But when I got back to Iowa, I mean, half of Dallas County already knew we burnt the biscuits. And everywhere I went, we're like, oh, we see Bart burnt the biscuits again.
0: So you went viral.
1: We went viral. I'm like, thanks, Nate. Sometimes it represents a win. Like, you've done something so cool that your kid wants to put you in their social media. Sometimes. Sometimes it's a different kind of situation. But nevertheless,
2: you ended up in social media.
0: And we want to know how that happened.
2: We actually did youth ministry for several years. Me and my husband. And one of the students kind of became an adopted daughter of ours. So one day, my husband was dealing with some wasps in a grill. And so this particular student thought it'd be funny to film him and put him on social media, um, which was all funny until she got really mad because he started trending better than all of her videos did. So then she was upset that his video was performing better than hers was.
0: It's the end of an era. You ever start a project and it's like, it's going to take a while, but I'm going to be patient and it's going to happen. What kind of project are we talking about here, Taylor? I wanted long hair. You did want long hair. Like, like not just like, oh, your hair is getting long. Like, I wanted hair down to my shoulders. Keanu Reeves in the new Matrix movie, long hair.
1: Since I've known you, I'm pretty sure you have had more hairstyles than I've had. I pretty much wear my hair
0: the same way all the time,
1: every day. Some days it's up. Most days it's down, but it's pretty much always the same. Your hair has been different almost every (laughs) single year that we have done this show together. And I'm always very um, impressed by how much uh, Lindsay speaks into your hair. Now, wasn't she on board with the whole long hair
0: thing? I think she might have been more on less on board than I thought she was. Like, I think she kind of made a passing comment of like, oh, you'd probably look good with long hair. And then I was like, "Okay, I'll grow it down to my shoulders. Oh, So
1: you ran with it because didn't you have long hair when you were in college? I did. Yeah. yeah.
0: I donated it to like locks of love or wigs for kids or something. And And so I was like, I'll
1: do that again. Okay, you thought you were going to do that again. This is the
0: tailor that Lindsay fell in love with.
1: Well, spoiler alert. I just would like you to know what I am looking at right now. I am looking at my very handsome co-host across the table from me with freshly shorn hair.
0: It's very short. Uh, Lindsay told me you should Google Ivy League haircut. Because, you know, I graduated with my degree in broadcasting, so at least my hair can look smart.
1: You have an Ivy
0: That's what it's called. You have an
1: Ivy League haircut? Ryan
0: Reynolds has this haircut. Whatever.
1: Okay, so then it's a Ryan Reynolds haircut. Because more people know who Ryan Reynolds is than what Ivy League is anymore. Make me look like
0: Ryan Reynolds, please. <laughs>
1: I would say I am the boss of my hair, but I don't know that Taylor can say the same.
0: My wife is definitely the boss of my hair. What about you, Jason? Oh, uh, that is a hundred percent my wife. Yeah,
2: <laughs> my hair,
0: my beard, all of it, basically neck up. She, she controls that. My. Hair, when I grow it out, I, I don't have a lot of volume or control. Mm-hmm. It's just really wispy. Yeah. But my my beard is very coarse, and so it gets very fluffy. <laughs> so I will have a very thick <laughs> beard at the bottom and very, you know, just straight hair. Yeah. And I actually had it between my shoulder blades. It was that long. Wow. And, and she was like, yeah, one's got to go, beard or the <laughs> hair. And I cut the hair. And then the next thing I know, she goes, yeah, the beard's got to go, too. So I it.
1: <laughs> My very handsome co-hosting friend Taylor came in this morning with a brand new haircut because his wife wanted him to get a brand new haircut. So, of course, it's forced us to
2: ask the question.
0: Who is the boss of your hair?
2: I'm in the National Guard, so they actually have hair regulations that you have to kind of adhere to. Yeah. And not only am I in the National Guard, but so is my dad. So once a month, usually, we have to make sure that our hair in regulations. All that being said, my mom is still the boss of both of our hair. <laughs> and a funny story about this is uh, my dad actually tried to take control of his own hair once recently. Over Father's Day, uh, he wanted to give himself a haircut. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he uh, wanted something called like a low-fade uh, it quickly turned into a high fade. and quickly turned into shave it all off. <laughs> oh, yeah. no. Mom was not happy about that. No. So, uh, needless to say, uh, we leave our haircut and do these to our mom now, and she usually just gets us a haircut. So,
1: Brady, let me ask, if you're going one-to-one, is it Uncle Sam or your mom that's really in charge of your hair?
2: Uh, I think my mom's <laughs> listening right now, so it's definitely her. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So maybe like me, you see your friend and he has got a brand new haircut and you say, Taylor, your hair looks so nice. Why'd you get it cut? Well, he got it cut because his wife wanted him to get it cut because Lindsay is the boss of Taylor's hair.
0: So that brings up an interesting question. Who's the boss of your hair? Well, I kind of smiled at the word boss because
2: nothing at my house likes to be bossed around, (laughs) (laughs) including my hair. (laughs) And if I try, my hair acts like an unruly teenager that doesn't want to be controlled. (laughs) So even you aren't the boss of your hair. No, I think that everybody is just, I'm respectful and it kind of does what it wants. And as long as it kind of stays in line, we don't have a conflict. Your hair is the boss of its own self.
0: You just set reasonable (laughs) expectations.
2: The more you try to control it, the worse it is. So I think that I just need to take a deep breath and think, okay, work with me here.
1: I found myself in a very unfamiliar role over the weekend of actually having to be a measurer. Normally, when I hang artwork in my home, I wing it.
0: Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. You just kind of look up and say, this is probably where the nails should go. Yep,
1: exactly. Wow. That's exactly what that I do. That is bold of you. I don't use levels. I don't use measuring tapes. I don't use straight edges. I use the eyeballs that got put in my head, and I go, about there. And you know what? For the most part, it has served me well. Mm -hmm. But this one, I knew that it was going to take some special attention. So fortunately, my daughter's boyfriend was uh, at our house yesterday afternoon. And I was like, hey, could you help me do this? Mm -hmm. And he was like, sure, I'll go get my tools. Then he came back in the house and he's like, I don't have any of my tools in the car. He's like, it's okay, I'll just wing it. Okay. He literally said that. He was like, I'll just eyeball it.
0: And so I would think <laughs> you would have been cool with that because no, you normally wing it.
1: I'm not. I did not like being put in the role oh. of the fastidious measurer. OK, but that's what I had to do. So I hovered and I watched as he didn't put one hole in the wall. He put three holes in the wall and he was eyeballing it the entire time. Oh, boy. And then he hung it up on the wall and we both stood back and for a brief shining moment and he he actually said these words well that's just mint and then all of a sudden the right corner just went oh no (laughs) Sometimes you just have to be spontaneous Mm. and willy-nilly and throw caution to the wind.
0: That's how you end up with crooked pictures, Jen. No,
1: that's how you end up with good pictures. I can wing it and it's fine in my house.
0: So we want to know when you are putting up decorations in the home, are you a measurer or are you a winger?
2: Most of the time, I'm the OCD one, (laughs) except for when it comes to pictures really oh yeah well i first of all i didn't know that's what studs in the wall were for or anything like that i mean i just didn't know meanwhile my husband who did construction for five years is like no that picture's bigger than this you have to find the studs oh, and boy. i just didn't care so uh <laughs> he went to work and i hung it without the studs and i just i don't care because he's cheesy and will use the stud finder and he puts it up to himself <laughs> <laughs> So I avoid the cheesiness and just wing it. It was
1: just flat out weird. I was playing a different role. (laughs) Usually, I wing it. I'm the winger when I hang pictures in my house. Mm -hmm. But in this case, I was watching a winger wing it, and it made me want to be a measurer.
0: (laughs) So I think some of us fall into one camp or the other. Either you wing it hanging stuff or you measure it hanging stuff. And we just want to know, are you a winger? Or a measurer.
2: I am a single mother, and first of all, I want to say I'm proud I even own a toolbox. But I, (laughs) I did. I finally got tools, and I went thrifting this last weekend, and I bought these beautiful hangings on the wall. And I don't have the best eyesight. Okay, so I hung all these things up. I stood back, and everything's crooked and sideways. But I took pride. I have a lot of pride in my crooked hangings. Okay, so I did it myself, and I'm just happy they haven't fallen on the ground.
0: (laughs) So you're you're gonna leave them up crooked because at least they're they're hanging.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was purposefully off. And my son, he thinks he is the man of the house, mm-hmm. and he's only a year and a half old. But uh, he removed something off the wall. It was obviously too crooked for him. But, um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's too crooked for him. It-
2: Yeah, he was not impressed. (laughs) The Taylor and Jen podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul.
0: You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.